All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite Casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm coming to you before Georgetown. Their first road game in the Big East is coming on Tuesday night. This is Monday, but tomorrow night they are traveling to number two, Connecticut. And to help preview that game, I've got David Borges from CT Insider. And actually on Twitter, it's Dave Borges here to help me preview everything UConn, which right now everything is coming up pretty good for Connecticut. Dave, thanks for joining. Yeah, no problem, Bobby. So obviously this is the fifth year for Dan Hurley and making the NCAA tournament the last two years. This season, the preseason rankings, Connecticut was not ranked. And today when the rankings came out, I think there was a lot of anticipation. Are the Huskies going to be number one? But right now, Georgetown is set to face number two, Connecticut, tomorrow night. What's going on in this season? I mean, it's obviously a great start. You guys, you know, undefeated still, 12-0. and 0. Can you kind of just catch up the uh, listeners with what's going on with Connecticut? Yeah, I mean, it's just been incredible. It's not many people predicted. There was thought, myself included, that this could be a team that could be a pretty good team if everything matched. You know, they had a lot of four key transfers come in, a couple of freshmen who they're hoping would be able to contribute pretty much, pretty well. Um, and uh, But, you know, you figured it might take a little time for everyone to gel, but they really spent pretty much the whole summer together, and, and uh, Dan Hurley really works them throughout the summer months um, to the point where by uh, the time regular practices started, they were really a unit, and by the time the game started, they've, they've just been this incredible um, – you know, beautiful offense with, with guys who can hit threes, with a, a two-headed monster at center with Adama Sanogo, the preseason Big East player of the year, and seven-foot-two Donovan Klingon backing him up. And, you know, they don't lose anything when Sanogo goes to the bench uh, for a rest or with foul trouble. Uh, defensively, they just swarm at you. They, they, they've got rim protectors in, in Klingon and, and, and Sanogo. Um, then they've got a guy named Andre Jackson, who's just a defensive menace, and he's, he's almost like he's an impossible guy to define because he just does so much other than shoot the ball, which he's not very good at, but he just does everything else so well. Uh, it just really all come together beautifully for Dan Hurley, and I think even he, although he certainly anticipated his team could be good this year, I think it's actually come together even quicker than even he believed it would. I guess at some point when you guys were out in Portland, did that seem like, oh, wow, I think we've got, we've got something going on here? Yeah, because, you know, the first five games were against you know, sort of like sub-300 Ken Palm-type opponents, and, and they completely wiped all of them off the off the court. I mean, they won each game by well over 20, well, over 20 points, yeah. and in certain well over 20. So they did what they had to do against those weak opponents. So then, you know, you go out to Oregon and see, let's see what happens now. Well, they, you know, they crushed Oregon in the first game. Oregon's down a little bit. They had some injuries. Um, but then they um, – you know, they beat um, Alabama, who's proven to be one of the best teams in the country, and they beat them handily by 15 points. Then they beat Iowa State, fresh off a win over number one North Carolina at the time, and they beat them by, I think, 18 points in the final. So that was when you certainly knew that um, this team had something going on. And then high expectations for Adama Sanogo. Is he sort of exceeding these expectations? I actually was able to catch a little bit of the Butler game, the portion of the game where it kind of got tight, even though I think it was maybe like six or seven or eight point lead. It wasn't super tight, but, you know, it felt, you know, watching it that it, it got to that point. And then something I hadn't really seen Sanogo do in the past, he just drains a three from the top of the key. And next thing you know, they're just, it's a blowout city. Yeah, he has, um, he came into this season determined to shoot, shoot the ball from three. Uh, he wants to expand his game to become more 
marketable to the NBA, which obviously, you know, big men now in the NBA need to expand their game and shoot shoot uh, from, uh, you know, beyond the paint and shoot, certainly hit some threes. And he's done that. He's uh, Now I think he's, you know, he's probably only shooting, what, 32% or so on you know, not a lot of attempts, but um, relatively small sample size. But, um, you know, he's proven, especially at the top of the key, which is the one, which is where he hit the one on Butler, he's proven that he can knock down the three. Uh, but he really dominated in the paint that game. He just took over. I mean, 27 points, 14 rebounds. You know, I mentioned Donovan Klingon, the seven foot two freshman who's been great backing him up. Uh, he only played nine minutes the other night because Dan Hurley just couldn't take Sonogo out for too long. He was just too dominant. So, yeah, he, he's actually, like I said, Big East preseason player of the year. I would say you can make an argument that he's surpassed expectations so far. How different do they play when uh, Klingon comes in a highly touted freshman and Georgetown was actually involved in his recruitment until, you know, at least, I think at least the end, I, th- I think the Hoyas made, made the last cut. Yeah, they did. And I think, uh, I think his father and I think Donovan have a lot of respect for Patrick Ewing. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a better rim protector than Sonogo is, um, you know, his height alone makes him more, uh, imposing. He, he blocks more, he's blocked, uh, he leads the team in block shots by a lot, even though he's only playing about 14 minutes a game. And even though shots he doesn't block, he, he, he influences them with his presence. And offensively, he's just been – they've been – you know, I haven't actually countered yet, but of his, of his uh, field goals this year, um, I'd say about close to 70% of them have been dunked, and a lot of them on lobs. You know, he's just very – just he, on a pick and roll, he's, they find him, and he's so tall and so big and so – coordinated that an athletic that um you know they can throw lob dunks to him and he 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 you know he rams them home so it's, it's a little different when he's out there but like i said they don't really lose a whole lot um when he's out there for relatively uh brief periods of time because i, I mean let's face it Klingon was named the mvp of the uh fill in invitational and he's the right. backup center that's kind of right. all you need to know about death right there and dave how long have you been covering connecticut uh, this is, I believe, my 16th season on the beat, 15th or 16th. I, I lose, I've lost count. <laughs> well, so you, you've clearly seen a lot of really good basketball. And even though UConn's, you know, it's only been the third year back in the Big East, it feels at this point like Connecticut's never left. And, you know, I mentioned uh, Hurley's gotten the team into the tournament. He hasn't won a game with them in the tournament yet. I know it, this is obviously just your opinion, but how important do you think coming back to the Big East is? Do you think Dan Hurley would have been able to accomplish this if they had stayed in the American? Which, you know, obviously they had some success there. You know, they won a national championship out of the American, but it was right after leaving the Big East. But a lot of the fans in, in the league were sort of like, well, if you let Connecticut back, you might not like what you get because they're going to start dominating. And that sort of seems to be the spot that you guys are in right now. Oh, yeah. No, there were some coaches who, um, off the record and even on the record, publicly stated they didn't you know they didn't think it was a good idea for UConn coming back and this was a year <laughs> before yeah you know this was a year before they even returned and because they were going to be competing for recruits and, and and they couldn't recruit against them say hey kid you want to play at UConn and play your you know games in Tulsa and Wichita or do you want to come here and play close at home um I think yeah. see, Dan Hurley will tell you you know he doesn't like to hear people say well you're getting these great recruits because you went back to the Big East because he really values recruiting. He's got a pretty good recruiting staff, and he um, and he got James Booknight while they were still in the American Conference. Um, he got a couple of other good recruits while they were still in the American. 
So he'll tell you that he, he was still recruiting well even in that league, and he still would be even in that league. But let's be honest, there's no question that um, he's been able to get better players overall, a lot of them from the East Coast, uh, although they've expanded their recruiting base a little bit now um, because of their uh, because they're in the Big East. I mean, some, some of the guys in this team said as much when they were when they uh, committed so um yeah the big east has definitely helped them a lot no question so you've been covering the huskies for a while you've seen national championships you know it's unusual that connecticut has gone this long without a win in the ncaa tournament coming into the season you know even before now where you guys are ranked you know number two what do you think the expectations were for the fan base as far as you know it's nice to make these incremental uh, movements, but I think there's probably a lot of pressure this year. There's a lot of expectations, you know, to be playing in that second weekend and hopefully the third weekend. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, there was disappointment in two straight years getting bounced in the first round. Um, even though it, it certainly took a lot for Hurley to revamp the program and from where it was just a few years ago to get it to the tournament in consecutive years. You know, UConn fans aren't used to being bounced in the first round, and certainly not twice in a row. Right. So, you know, there was pressure. Now, no, I'm not even close to suggesting that his job was in jeopardy or anything like that. But Oh, no, no, I, no. Yeah, but I even asked him back in October, you know, do you feel like you need to win at least one NCAA tournament game this year? And he basically said, yeah, there's going to be pressure on the staff to do that, and um, they're going to feel it. Now, he, he doesn't want the players to feel it, but um, – I can tell you right now, if, if things continue the way they're going right right now, I, I don't see how they could lose a first-round uh, NCAA tournament game this year. Isn't it nice to be on this side of the aisle and say things like that and know that it has no effect on what happens? Yeah, well, you know. You know what I mean? Because like, if, like, if like me or you says that, you know, it doesn't matter. Obviously, coaches would never say that. But when, when, when you're looking at a team, you're looking at a team that's been so successful, I think it's, it's, it's pretty easy to say, yeah, this is a team that's, you know, going to compete for cutting down nets. Yeah, and, 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 you know, Hurley's uh, mission is to keep the guys focused on their goal and not overlook opponents. Like, obviously, you know, Georgetown certainly hasn't been very good. And so tomorrow's a game that you could overlook. But I just don't feel it's going to happen with these guys. And, and, you know, the leadership from a guy like the previously mentioned Andre Jackson, I just don't see how these guys ever overlook an opponent. And, um, yeah, so that's that's what coaches have to do. But, yeah, you and I can kind of sit back and say, you know, barring injury, and if, you know things happen, so we'll, we'll see. But yeah, um, I, I see this team, um, you know, a real legit threat to uh, to go deep in the tournament. Again, we're here with Dave Borges from CT Insider. You can find him on Twitter at Dave Borges. So Georgetown is basically a team of entirely new players, although now they've played twelve games. So the Hoya fans have had a chance to kind of figure out who's who and you know who's what and kind of get fan favorites. And I'm going to be honest with you, it did not take maybe more than a half for the Georgetown fan base to fall in love with a cook, a cook. Can you kind of just go over how he was perceived with the UConn fan base? Was he a fan favorite there? Um, you know, it sounds like maybe just injuries and the depth of uh, Connecticut. And he felt like, Hey, you know, I'm, let me, let me try this somewhere else. Yeah. You said it took Georgetown fans a half. It probably about as long as it took UConn fans still with his, his energy and his, his smile and his, uh, the way he runs up and down the floor. That people fell in love with him right off the bat. And, and as a freshman, he was a very effective player. He was, I think he was the leading shot blocker in the American as a freshman. He just knocked down a few threes here and there. was, you know, an offensive presence, but really more defensively than anything. A really good player as a freshman. And then 
late in the sophomore year, um, tore his Achilles. And, you know, that's just a real tough injury for basketball players to come back from, which, you know, they have more often lately. But, um, yeah. and he did, it took a while. He really wasn't very good uh, his junior year. And, um, you know, the playing time really suffered the last couple of seasons and to the point where, to me, I think it was just best for both parties to kind of break up and um, for a cook to find somewhere else where he was going to play, play a lot, which he has at Georgetown. And um, for UConn to um, move on with new players, young young players kind of taking over his role and, uh, you know, maybe be a little more effective. But uh, he, I don't think a cook, a cook would have played if he stuck around here, but it probably wouldn't have been, it certainly wouldn't have been as much as he's playing at Georgetown. Yeah, well, if if you start for Georgetown right now, you are playing a ton. What's your guess on the reception tomorrow? Uh, I guess is it is it a gamble or is it, is it? Yeah, I think it's at a uh, gamble. Yeah, it's a gamble. Um, I think that um, it's going to be he's going to get a good, real good ovation when he's announced, um, which you know it's kind of something you don't see very often, right, in college basketball. Um, well, we kind of got to got to get used to guys transferring within the league, right? I mean, everything has kind of changed in the last five years, but the idea that you can go from you know Connecticut to Georgetown or St. John's to DePaul is kind of kind of crazy. I know, yeah, I know. It is something you will see more often. You're used to it in like you know Major League Baseball guy coming back or or the NFL and things like that, but uh, you will see more of it in college basketball. And I think that he, um, I think that he will, um, like I said, get a good ovation. You know, there's certainly no ill feelings towards him from the fans or, or even from the UConn program. We do need to talk about the game or maybe just the broader picture of where Georgetown is. And there's probably no better way to say it than uh, the lines are just kind of coming out right now. It's obviously not set, but the initial line, Georgetown is its biggest ever underdog position in a league game, 23 and a half, which, you know, it, it, it lines up with what Ken Palm has. If it sticks right around there, it's going to be the biggest line within a Big East game since um, St. John's was 26 and a half point underdog at Villanova um, in 2016. So, wow. you know, there's, there's, yeah, there's just, it's, you know, wherever you look, it's not, it's just not very good right now for the Hoyas. So, you know, you guys came back in the league, obviously right when you did uh, Georgetown kind of won, you know, they overtook UConn with their eighth Big East tournament out of kind of nowhere, right? You know, there was no fans. We we didn't get a chance to go there, which is very, very unfortunate for the Georgetown base. But yeah, when you come back in the league, you're thinking, okay, we're back. You know, we're not with Tulsa. We're not with ECU. We're with Georgetown. We're with Villanova. We're with, you know, Marquette. And we're with Creighton. And some of these teams that have had a lot of success in the last 10, 15, modern air, whatever you want to call it. I guess you throw St. John's in there, whatever. But what's the Connecticut perspective on, Georgetown and it's not really you know it's probably not what you expect when you close your eyes and you think of Georgetown yeah I think really what what I've seen from UConn fans is that um, they want Georgetown to be back to come back and, and be it's important for the league for Georgetown to be good and to a lesser degree St. John's as well mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah I, I, I honestly think that the UConn fans will are, are sort of rooting for Georgetown to at least get back to being a respectable program and a good program and um you know obviously they don't want them to become dominant <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah. um but it's good for the big east for georgetown to be good and uh i think most uconn fans kind of feel that way of course they uh but they'll you know they won't feel that way tomorrow night <laughs> 
Well, no, and I mean, honestly, you know, there's nothing worse than either apathy or pity, right? Like, you know, if you come yeah. in to a hostile Gample pavilion, you want to be the enemy. You know, you don't want like, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want any sort of pity. But yeah, I mean, when the game's not going on and you look at the standings, because if you look at Georgetown right now in the net and in the Ken Palm, they hurt you. It's kind of like a bad non-conference game, unfortunately, for all the rest of the league. You know, Connecticut's not on the bubble, but God forbid a bubble team that loses to Georgetown this year. Yeah, well, you know, I just, honestly, I, I can honestly say that I, I hope Georgetown wins a few games this year in the league. You know, 0-19 last year was just hard to uh, to see from afar. And, um, you know, you'd like to see. And, and Patrick, you know, I mean, he obviously – you know, he conjures up a lot of respect because of his great career. And I, this may sound crazy. I mean, I, I think he's a he's a really he's a good basketball mind, it, it seems. But it just it, it's the college game just doesn't seem to be working out for him. Although, like you said, he had that nice Big East tournament run a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly hope uh, Georgetown can get back to um, being a respectable program and at least uh, you know don't don't pull another over this year in the Big East. No, and one one thing I, I I thought of here, and I, I know I said about twenty minutes, so we're we're kind of a little bit over that, but you know Georgetown obviously had the presence of uh, Big John around the program for so so long, and you know then his son did a you know a very good job coaching the program, and uh, Big John's passed on, and um, his other son Ronnie is involved as the chief of staff. When I started doing this, I thought it was crazy that you know to be sitting in a room and Jim Calhoun was sitting there and I got to ask him questions. It was, you know, as a lifelong college basketball fan, it was super cool, except when I had to transcribe it and it seemed like it was really difficult to do. Um, yeah. But, but so Calhoun's been gone for a long time, but, you know, he was coaching at that smaller school, I think it's St. St. Joe's or something like that. Um, what's his involvement or how visible is he around the program? And does he have a relationship with uh, Dan Hurley? Yeah. He's been to a few practices this year and he actually was out of practice early in the season and he was kind of sitting there and, and sort of taking notes um, on, he, he, even though he's retired and not coaching anyone, including UConn, he, he's still taking notes on different players. And he kind of went to, uh, to Hurley and gave him his impressions on certain players and not, not even so much them at the players as um, basketball players, but just kind of like their attitude and, and their general uh, demeanor. And, and he was very um, impressed, I should say too, by, by these players. So, um, I don't think he's been to a practice for, for over a month now. And, you know, he definitely keeps his distance to a degree, but he's obviously welcome there and whenever. And, and Dan Hurley certainly appreciates his, uh, whatever help he can give him and whatever guidance he can give him. And, um, so, uh, yeah, he, he, and actually I think he's been to a game or two as a fan. So, you know, okay. he's been a little, hasn't been, hasn't quite been Roy Williams in North Carolina, but it's been more than, it's certainly more than coach K at Duke. <laughs> yeah. When I started doing this about towards the end of his time there, but it was still just like, wow, okay. And Jim, Jim Calhoun, so much success. But do you have the same issue that I had? I mean, trying to transcribe him was not easy, right? No. No, and, and he, first of all, it was hard to understand a lot because he kind of mumbled a little bit. But he also just went from tangent to tangent and changed course <laughs> over the course of a – you give a long answer and he – by the time the, the answer was finished, he was something he was talking about stuff that you didn't even ask him about. And, uh, but I will say this that, and he was a little kinder and gentler. And his, you know, I took over in 2007, which was obviously towards the end of his reign, and he wasn't quite the um, damn cantankerous guy at that point. But in retirement, I'll tell you this: he is. I've never had a 
folks, former or current, that, that is better about returning phone calls or answering his phone. And whenever you need him, he's there, and he gives you a good answer on any subject, any topic. Um, so he's really been great uh, in retirement. And, and quite honestly, he was he was pretty good in uh, from the version I had anyway. He was pretty good when he was still coaching as well. Well, that's actually awesome to hear, and hopefully that relationship can stay for as long as he is around the program. That's uh, that's really, really cool. And, you know, that's one of the cool things about the Big East. You know, we just had uh, Xavier in, uh, so we had Sean Miller, and, you know, post game Sean Miller was talking about how great it was to be back in the league. Now, obviously, you know, he was at Arizona, and things happened, and he seems like he's okay, but he definitely – there was that he said, you know, if you're in the if you're in the Big East in the 80s and the 90s, it's a badge of honor. And I think he meant it. And I think that's, you know, seeing Jim Calhoun still in the mix kind of is for me kind of brings that that, you know, it keeps that era alive and going. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It'll never be the same. It just can't be the you know, Big East in the 80s and 90s was just incredible. And even in the 2000s, there was there were dominant teams. But uh, yeah, it's still cool to um Still a great basketball conference, and um, to have and a guy like Dan Hurley is, is Big East through and through. Played in the league, and he he, under, he gets it. So it's uh it's cool to um for UConn to be back there and to be competitive and really great this year, and uh, just to be able to play teams like Providence and Seton Hall and Georgetown and Villanova. It's just awesome. Well, it's it's a league with that absolutely has great collection of coaches. There's no doubt about that. David, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Or I should say, Dave. It's at Dave Borges on Twitter. I follow him for my UConn news. I, I got everyone, you know, a different, every team. I've got a couple guys I like to follow. Dave's one of those guys. You can find him at CT Insider and Georgetown. Tomorrow at Connecticut, it'd probably be one of the bigger upsets in the league uh, history. But Dave, I want to thank you so much for coming on. No problem, Bobby. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot for having me.